there are few elections in the entire United States of America that will be as competitive as the U.S. Senate race in Missouri. Attorney General Josh Hawley believes that he is the Republican that can finally oust Claire McCaskill from the U.S. Senate. We talk with the Republican statewide official about why he's the man for the job and his take on a multitude of issues on the latest edition of Politically Speaking. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, a candid conversation with the Show Me State's biggest political newsmakers. I'm Jason Merzenbaum. And I'm Joe Manish. Elections should be about your accomplishments. What have you done to qualify you for the position and why are you qualified to run? I'm going to push back on these regulators. I'm doing this for the people. I was encouraged along the way, not just by my family, but by a lot of teachers and professors and knew when I was in college that I would run for office someday. We're very excited about the prospect of having some more free market solutions. Even though after the conversation, I still might not agree. We want our listeners to get a real sense of what drives these people. They're actually people with a story to tell. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studios today is... Colleague Joe Manis. And Missouri's second most prominent almost millennial politician we have in studio today is... Josh Hawley. By the way, number one is Jason Smith, a congressman who was born in 1980. He's probably very disappointed to learn that Pew uh, Research just said that if you're born after 1980, you are not a millennial. And if you're born, <laughs> you mean before 1980, before you're, not, 1980. you're not a millennial. So I'm like right on the right on the cusp, right on the cusp, <laughs> right. But I'm, right. I, I'm sure that uh, both of you are devastated by that news. Deeply. Deeply. Uh, I know I am. I can't speak for the congressman. He, by the way, uh, Holly was born on December 31st, 1979. But That's we're right. not here to talk about uh, dates and when people were born. We're here to talk about your U.S. Senate bid. We're very excited to have him in the studio today. Um, but the first question I think we got to ask and got to get out of the way right away. The last time you were on this show, I asked you very directly, um, would you swear off running for any other office? Um, you said that your sole focus was becoming attorney general, and that was the only job you wanted to do. Um, I, I'm patting myself on the back for being so foresighted on that. but <laughs> That was in the fall two, of 2016. 2016. I know you've been asked this question before, but why did you decide to run for U.S. Senate when in your 2016 campaign you criticized your opponents for trying to climb the political ladder? I think our way of life is at stake. I mean, I think that's really the simple answer. The middle-class way of life that I grew up with in, in Lexington, Missouri, uh, that uh, has sustained our state and our families, our communities, our churches all over our state, uh, it's at risk. It's at risk from immigration that is out of control. It's at risk from jobs that have gone overseas. It's at risk from liberal activist judges. And right now what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country for the future of our country. You know, I think the president won this state by 20 points because he knows that our way of life is at risk, and Missourians know that too. And it's a, it's a critical, critical turning point for the country. So this isn't something I had intended to do, as you all have reported on, but it's something I think that is vital, and I think that the, uh, the hour is a critical one. Now, if you're in the U.S. Senate, how are you going to deal with this risk? I mean, what's your solution? The, the risk to the middle-class way of life, Joe? Yes. Well, I mean, look, I think we've got to start by, number one, we've got to get conservative judges and justices on the bench. I mean, President Trump's nomination of Brett Kavanaugh is a great step forward. Uh, it is absolutely critical. All of our most important values are at stake at the U.S. Supreme Court. As a Supreme Court litigator myself, 
Uh, I know this, whether it is immigration, whether it's our Second Amendment rights, whether it's our religious liberty, our right to free speech, all of these things are at stake at the U.S. Supreme Court. We've got to get conservative judges. That's why Missourians voted for President Trump to the extent that they did. The fact that Claire McCaskill won't even meet with Judge Kavanaugh, I think, is, is indefensible. And I'd like to hear why from her. But I also think we've got to work on bringing back jobs from overseas. We've got to get immigration. We've got to get an immigration policy. And I hope that we'll get into this. But we've got to get an immigration policy that actually works for this country in the 21st century that begins with securing our border. And we've got to get wages up and health care costs down. Now, um, you mentioned about Kavanaugh. Now, he has already attracted some controversy. I'm just kind of laying this out here. Um, a, there's been some uh, polls that have come out that say that the majority of Americans actually would would prefer that the Roe v. Wade decision that in 1973 that uh, legalized most abortions uh, should stand. There's been some controversy about other things from his ball tickets. I mean, just what's your thoughts about how you think he would rule and how he would fit in with what you see as the chief aim? You know, I always say that choosing judges is about choosing values. And you can see, I think, the president's values and the judges that he's chosen, his commitment to pro-Constitution judges. Here's the key thing about this nominee, and I think uh, all of the president's nominees, they're all committed to the Constitution the way the people wrote it. And at the end of the day, Joe, it's actually a simple choice. You're either for the Constitution the way the people write it, or you're for imposing the judge's values or the media's values or the bureaucracy's values. That's not why we have judges. We don't elect judges. We elected judges, maybe something different. We don't elect judges. They're there to apply the law the way that it is written. And, you know, Missourians voted for this president by almost 20 points. A huge and significant portion of that was his commitment to putting constitutionalist judges on the bench. It was a big, big deal, uh, and you can see that in the outcome of the vote. And the fact that uh, my opponent in this race, Claire McCaskill, won't even meet with Judge Kavanaugh, won't lead on this issue, won't call out her party, will not be independent, I think is uh, terrible, and she should explain herself. How do you see the Supreme Court um, nominee and the whole debate fitting into your campaign, and how much attention do you plan to push on this during the next few months? I think it's hugely important because there's no more important decision that a United States senator makes than a decision about a Supreme Court justice. And uh, this is, of course, a very important seat with the retirement of Anthony Kennedy. You've got the Supreme Court is in the balance. Everybody recognizes that. And so it's hugely significant. I think the president has nominated a great judge, over 300 opinions affirmed by the Supreme Court 11 times. I mean, I I can tell you, somebody who has, has litigated in federal courts, that's a, that's a pretty darn good record. Uh, he's got great credentials. And most importantly, uh, he's committed to interpreting and implying the Constitution the way that people wrote it. Here's what I'm disappointed about, Joe. I'm disappointed that the Democrats and Claire McCaskill are not even meeting with Judge Kavanaugh. You know, Claire McCaskill said in 2006, when she first ran for the Senate, that she would be independent. Well, being independent means taking a leadership role in your party and saying, look, we should at least meet with this judge, at least hear him out. You've got senators who are already saying, we won't vote for him, like Tammy Baldwin. They haven't even met with him. Why aren't they meeting with him, and why isn't she leading on this? Now, of course, the counter thing is they're saying, well, look, Mitch McConnell and most of the Republicans refused to meet uh, with the uh, Obama's last nominee, uh, Judge Garland, before 
uh, the 2016 election, actually for most of 2016. So in some ways, they see it as payback. How do you respond to that? Well, first of all, that's part of the problem, I think, in Washington, is that the calculations are made based on political payback rather than based on the merits. I mean, you had Senator McCaskill with Justice Gorsuch, whom she voted against. And why did she vote against him? She said in, in audio at a fundraiser that was widely reported, I think you reported on it, she said, look, our side wants a scalp because of Merrick Garland, and I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with that. Those are her words. I'm not okay with that. These decisions should not be made based on giving a scalp to your side. They shouldn't be based on what your big dollar donors want. Uh, They should be based on the merits of the nominee. And in this case, you've got a Sterling nominee who believes in the Constitution. She should meet with them, and she should be calling on other senators to meet with them, and she should vote for him. Now, there have been other uh, pressures about trying to get more of his writings, providing more of his writings, because they say, well, the Republicans required that for some of Obama's nominees. What are your thoughts about that? Well, my understanding is the, the level of, of material that the that Chuck Schumer is asking for is, 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 does not compare. It's much, 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 much broader than it was for, say, Justice Kagan, who also had worked in the White House, or, or Justice Gorsuch. But here's the bottom line, Joe. What's most important are his decisions. There's 300 of them. They're all public. You can read them. You can review them. Uh, they've, been pub- they've been published now for quite some time. So it's not as if you don't know, you don't have anything to evaluate this nominee on. You have a huge paper trail. And the fact that Democrats won't even meet with them, that Claire McCaskill won't, and that she won't stand up and call on her party to do so, I think just shows you that she's not really independent. Now, when you're traveling, is this the biggest issue or is it health care? I mean, just kind of, what are your thoughts about that? This is very big because people know that the Supreme Court is really about values. This comes up all the time. People say to me, you know, the Supreme Court, my Second Amendment rights are at issue. My religious liberty rights are at issue. Uh, my free speech rights are at issue. So people are, they are very focused on this and they're right to be focused on it because it's very significant for the future of the country. Now, is there anything you want to say about on health care? Because that's become a big issue. I just don't understand why Senator McCaskill is such a, a party line, rabid partisan on this. I'm in favor of, number one, we have got to get the cost of health insurance down. Families say to me all the time, they cannot afford their health insurance. And of course they can't because premiums have gone up by 105% in the last four five years. Why is that status quo acceptable to anybody? It's not acceptable to me. We ought to be able to bring down the cost of health insurance, cover people with pre-existing conditions, protect young adults up to age 26 on their parents' insurance. We can do all of that without Obamacare and the massive price increases and restrictions on choice and care it has given us. The fact that Claire McCaskill will not work across party lines to get a bipartisan deal that would bring down costs and protect folks, I think, again, is a real failure of leadership. If Roe v. Wade is overturned, would you be comfortable with Missouri completely banning abortion under most circumstances? What what circumstances would you be okay with abortion being legal? You know, here's here's what I've say as a as a constitutional lawyer and someone who has litigated in the courts. I mean, the first thing is Roe v. Wade is currently on the books. It, it's going to be for the foreseeable future. The first thing we need to do, those of us who are pro-life, and I'm 100% pro-life, have been my whole life. Those of us who are pro-life need to work and fight for laws that the public approves of that can expand pro-life protections. Right now in this state, 
Uh, we are my, my office as attorney general. We're defending three major lawsuits uh, with Missouri's pro-life laws, laws that impose a common sense health and safety regulations on abortion clinics. Uh, laws that require abortion clinics to have emergency plans, laws that require doctors to have admitting privileges and so forth. These, I think, are they're widely supported by the public. They're common sense. Take uh, uh, recent bills that would uh, uh, prevent abortion when the infant is capable of pain. That's something where I think broad swaths of the American public, certainly Missourians, agree on that. Let's start there, get public consensus, and work forward. Now, the uh, you're talking about the 20-week ban. Now, there's been some controversy. I mean, I'm just I'm not advocating one way or the other, but just trying to lay out some of the controversies here. Um, you know, there has been some controversies, A, about the uh, whether or not that's accurate as far as the pain, but that B, that actually some of it is to prevent uh, while most abortions are actually in the first 12 weeks or so, but is to prevent some late term ones that are for um, uh physical disabilities or other problems that are found in utero. Um, how do you see that? I mean, because some say it's not really about the pain. It's about uh, blocking down syndrome, uh, abortions, that sort of thing. I think that this is an issue where, again, you've got, you've got broad public support that if you have an infant who can feel pain, you know, you have, it's capable, in some instances, you sort of see them resisting, resisting the incursion, the, the instrument that's used to commit the abortion, the, the, the infant is trying to, you know, they know that this is dangerous to them, they're able to feel pain. I think that most people can agree then, you know what, abortion should not take place in those circumstances, except for save the life of the, of the mother. But uh, that, I think, is, is, is an area where there's broad public agreement, we ought to be able to agree on that, and those of us, and move forward, and those of us in the pro-life movement ought to say, okay, let's find those areas of consensus. Let's get those and then continue the process of persuasion. Now, you mentioned immigration. Um, how would you do, I mean, Missouri does not have as much immigra I mean, immigration from Mexico and some of the southern countries as some other states. Um, but how would you deal with this on a national level if you're in the U.S. Senate? There has been debate over the, whether or not the wall helps, uh, the separation of children from their parents, all that. How would you deal with it? Well, I think the first thing to say is we absolutely have to secure the border. I think that's just non-negotiable. The president's absolutely right about that. The fact that uh, Claire McCaskill will not approve funds for border security, will not support a border wall and securing the border, I think is is a bad mistake and totally out of step with the needs of this state. So we have to secure the border. Uh, beyond that, we also have got to get an immigration system that actually works for our people. And I'm thinking of, in particular, our workers in this state. You know, one of the things that mass illegal immigration does is it drives down wages, in addition to the drugs that we see that come into this state, uh, as well as crime, but also huge amounts of immigration, even legal immigration from low and unskilled workers, that those folks compete with American workers who need good-paying jobs. One of the problems we have in this country is wages have been too low for too long for middle-class workers. And our immigration system is part of that problem. So we need to secure the border, we need to stop the flow of drugs and gangs across the border, and we need to get an immigration system that actually helps American workers and helps our economy in the 21st century. And again, I just there could not be a sharper contrast here with myself and Senator McCaskill, who's currently supporting a bill by Dianne Feinstein that would say you can't enforce border security laws within 100 miles of the border. You have to release any illegal immigrant whom a border agent might apprehend if that person has a child with him or her. This is an open borders policy. Could not be worse for the workers of the state. But I think there's been a lot of controversy over the policy because 
there are some pretty jarring images of literally children in cages and families being separated. And there doesn't seem to be a particularly robust plan to reunite these families from the administration. How would you deal with that as a senator? And what pressure would you exert on the administration to make sure that this separation policy doesn't continue into the future? Well, I think the president did the right thing by enacting an executive order, issuing an executive order to to keep families together. Uh, Congress needs to do its job and actually appropriate more funding for facilities uh, to keep new facilities that can house families together. And I think the administration is also right to litigate. You know, this is a court precedent dating back now some time. Uh, that prevents uh, uh, children and, and uh, uh, children and parents from being kept together um, if there's a, if the case is going to be litigated beyond a certain amount of time and the administration I think is going to challenge that in court which is also the right thing to do but look at the end of the day you've also got to deter people from endangering children I think Claire McCaskill's stated policy of saying look if you bring a child to the border you will get a get out of jail free card and be released into the interior of this country. I think it's terribly inhumane. It will encourage people to bring children, not even their own children, with them across a dangerous border crossing. That should not happen. We need to enforce the laws of this country, keep families together while the adjudication process goes on. But we need to secure the border, and we need to not be distracted from that. Now, there's been some debate because while some of the families and children detained and separated were coming over illegally, some were also actually showing up at the legal points of entry. So that somehow sometimes this gets conflated. You've got people who showing up at the legal points of entry. And I'm not, I'm not getting into whether or not their request for asylum is accurate. But the point being that they had their kids separated. Is there a way that we should be dealing with uh, people who show up at the legal points as opposed to people who are uh, – Traveling through the desert, trying trying to find some illegal way to get in. Well, I'm against family separation in any instance, Joe, whether it's certainly whether it's at the legal points of entry or whether it's folks who are apprehended crossing the border. I think that we should uh, keep families together in all instances. And this is part of what Congress needs to do here. They need to appropriate funds for facilities, as I just said, but they also need to expedite the review process here. In some cases, my goodness gracious, whether it's asylum review or the adjudication of folks uh, who have crossed the border illegally and being prosecuted for that, it takes literally months and years. Uh, this is this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous from the family's perspective. It's ridiculous from a resource perspective, from a law enforcement perspective. So Congress can help here by appropriating more funds, by where necessary uh, uh, streamlining the procedures uh, that these uh, go through, that these adjudicatory uh, processes go through to make sure that this happens faster and cases are reviewed more quickly. Um, one of the biggest jobs of a U.S. senator is to potentially vote on whether the country goes to war or not. Um, I know this is kind of a vague question, but I'd like to hear your philosophy on military interventionism. I believe your sister is in the military. If right. not, so this is a personal right. issue for you. What, where do you see America's role in the world, especially when it comes to deploying military force? Because that could be some, the most important vote you take in Congress. Yeah, it is. My sister is lieutenant commander in the United States Navy. Thank you for remembering, remembering that. I and do read your bio. We're very, well, we're very <laughs> proud of her and uh, of her service. But I will say this. I think that uh, when it comes to uh, open hostilities, declaration of war, the first and most important consideration is we have to protect American lives. I mean, so uh, first and foremost, 
our military is there to protect this country, to protect American citizens. And so that's the first question, I think. And then beyond that, our vital interests and then our allies, like, for instance, the state of Israel. One of the things that I think is, is shameful from the last uh, 10 years, the, the, the previous president's term, and I'm sorry to say Senator McCaskill supported him to the hilt in this, was to sell out Israel with the Iran Treaty, which I think is a, a disastrous piece of foreign policy. It weakened this country. It weakened our allies. Uh, it weakened our standing in the world and our commitment to freedom. So I think that uh, we've got to stand strong with our allies, but above all, we've got to look to protecting America's interests and American citizens and American lives. Now, some have said that actually getting rid of the Iran Treaty without something else to put in its place has actually made it more difficult not just for the United States, but also for Israel and, and, and the Middle East. Um, and some of the things that Trump has proposed recently seems to be actually in line with what the treaty had proposed. I mean, what sort of alternate treaty would you want to see or alternate uh, some sort of deal with Iran? Or do you think there should be no deal and we need to just really go after this country? I think that Iran, until they show themselves to have some sort of a commitment to a genuine peace process and to abandon the nuclearization of their nation or attempted nuclearization, I, I think they're pretty bad actors. And I, I, look, I think that the president getting tough on them was the right thing. Withdrawing from the from the deal was the right thing to do. Uh, recurring to the previous sanctions regime, I think, is, is wise. And until they show some step, you know, you think of the old Reagan mantra, trust but verify, until they actually see something verifiable that suggests they are willing to give up their pursuit of nuclear weapons and their destabilization of the region. Let's not forget, this is a country that is committed in policy to destroying the state of Israel and wants to exert hegemony over the entire region. I mean, these are not good actors, and they need to be deterred. I want to talk about Russia for a bit. It's actually been in the news in the last couple of days. Apparently, there was a hacking attempt against U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill. This comes as President Trump has charted a, a drastically different course toward that country in recent years. Some have praised it by saying we need to be closer to such a big military power. Others have been kind of aghast at what the president has done because they, Russia clearly uh, uh, interfered with the 2016 election. That's just kind of the general consensus of everybody. Um, First of all, I'd like you to touch on the McCaskill hacking news because it is a newsworthy thing. And I also want you to talk about the president's relationship with Russia because I do feel like that's going to be a big issue for anybody running for the U.S. Senate. Now, apparently the hacking took place last year uh, about the time that Trump was first saying publicly that she really needed to be replaced. I'm sure you know that, but I'm just kind of saying the backdrop for it. So it's a two-part question, but fire away. Well, look, I mean, as it relates to the the hacking or attempted hacking, I, I, I can't say that I'm surprised. I mean, Russia's a bad actor, and they have been attempting to interfere in our democracy and our economy for years now. Uh, we can't let them do it. We haven't let them do it uh, in, the, in the past, and uh, we can't let them do it now. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that uh, that's the bottom line on this. Uh, again, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said just the other day, uh, he captured this, I think, really well, where he said, look, you know, uh, the Russians have got, we've got to show them strength. Uh, we have got to, uh, we've got to show them that uh, it can be in their interests to cooperate with us and to uh, adhere to democratic norms and international norms. And so we've got to hold open that prospect, but uh, we cannot allow their 
uh, meddling and their attempts to influence our way of life, our democracy uh, to go forward. Did you watch? Did you watch the president's press conference with Putin? I don't really think that was a sign of strength by any measure or, or regard. Well, I, I did not see the press conference. Uh, I read the transcripts later. But look, I think here's the thing at the bottom line on Russia: you have you've got an administration that is pressing them on some points, that is holding out uh, options for them to say, look, if you are willing to come to the table. I thought that the president pressing Angela. Merkel of Germany on uh, Germany and other members of the European Union buying so much natural gas from Russia. It's a really interesting point because that is that gets at Russia's economic self-interest. And here you have the president saying, why are you doing this? Why are you buying natural gas from them and not from us? So at the end of the day, I think Russia has got to be treated uh, as uh, the competitor on the international stage like they are. They've got to be pressed uh, to uh, uh, not to behave and not to not to interfere in our country and, and to observe democratic norms. But let me say something that needs to be said in this context is that the media fixation on all of this Russia talk, I think you we have to admit stems from the fact that many, many people still think in the media and on the Democratic Party, including Claire McCaskill, apparently, that uh, Russia somehow stole the 2016 presidential election. There's no evidence to suggest that. That's just loony. I mean, Claire McCaskill told a reporter, Michael Isakoff, that uh, the uh, the effing Russians uh, were responsible for Donald Trump's victory. Now, that's ridiculous. If she actually said that, that's totally ridiculous. And I think vote. this is why when I talk to voters, they don't pay a lot of attention to what's going on here because they think that this is a distraction from key issues that matter to them in their lives. We only have a few minutes left, so I do want to touch on the tariff issue. I'm going to play a clip now from Blake Hurst, who is the president of the Missouri Farm Bureau, who has been alarmed at the retaliatory tariffs that have come to soybeans from China um, after Trump's steel and aluminum tariffs. I mean, we're not profitable. These levels, we're losing money. And so at some point it becomes difficult to pay your loan back, run difficult to make payments on your farm. It's hard to support your family. So I think the patience uh, for what's going on now is starting to, to wear thin. So you have been on record saying that you support essentially what Trump is trying to do in that you're trying to get countries to come to the table with better t- uh, trade deals. But how do you rectify that when big agriculture groups that may end up supporting you are raising alarm about these tariffs. Well, first of all, and I am delighted to have the support, by the way, of Missouri's pork producers, of Missouri's cattlemen, of Missouri's dairy farmers. Uh, That means a lot to me personally, because as you know, I come from a farming family. In fact, my family raises soybeans uh, and corn and other row crops. So this isn't theory to me. Uh, But I'll just say this. I think that you see with the president's recent deal with the European Union, when they've agreed to open up their market to more soybean uh, imports from our country than they've ever allowed before, that is a great step forward. I think that the president going out there and saying he wants to get better trade deals for our farmers, wants to actually fight for our farmers. Because, look, farmers know, and they say this to me, by the way, when I talk to them. I talk to farmers all the time across our state, and they say over and over, we have gotten the short end of the stick on trade for years, not just with China, but also with the EU and Mexico and Canada in many instances. So I think the president saying this needs to stop is exactly right. The question is, can he get a better deal? I think we saw with the EU agreement that he is capable of. That's a great deal for American farmers. I certainly hope that Claire McCaskill will be out there praising it 
uh, and uh, supporting this uh, this great step forward for our farmers. And uh, let's see what else he's able to get. But I think that uh, this is a good beginning. Now, I want to shift back to the hacking just for a minute. The way they did it was pretending to be a Microsoft uh, site asking you to update stuff. Are, have you, are you concerned at all that actually y- your office or your campaign might be running into this? Have there been some uh, protections or uh, cautions that you guys have been dealing with? Because there's no guarantee that it's, they wouldn't do it against you too. It, absolutely. We're, we are always concerned and try to be very vigilant, train our, our staff on, on how to recognize these phishing uh, uh, attempts. Uh, and Joe, this is why as Attorney General, I have made data privacy a major, major focus of my years as attorney general. I mean, we have gone after big tech companies. We are looking into Google, Facebook, um, the the data breach uh, with credit scores from last summer. Uh, we are trying to protect the data privacy of consumers um, everywhere, and this is a big reason why. Now, um, one of the things that you've come under fire is whether or not you've investigated former Governor Eric Greitens enough. I mean, do you feel uh, I mean, what's your thoughts about how you handled the whole situation? You know, I think my, my independence on this issue really speaks for itself. I mean, you can see what we did. I, we, we proceeded as I was sworn to do as attorney general without fear or favor to anyone. Uh, we acted uh, gathering, uh, conducting an investigation, gathering evidence, and then referring charges exactly as we would have done no matter what. And uh, I think the results speak for themselves. We're out of time. We'll be talking with you more after the campaign if you win the primary, but we're, we're thankful that you came in and talked about issues with us. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter, Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at... Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And how would people follow you on Twitter? Holly Moe, H-A-W-L-E-Y-M-O. Many cute pictures of your kids on there, as well as many political barbs. We'll be back next time. Until then, so long. So long.